Welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenna, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church, so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ every week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we are going to be reading the readings for the Epiphany of the Lord, which is January 5th, 2020, in year A of the Roman Catholic Church. We're going to start off with the first reading, which is from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 6. Rise up in splendor, Jerusalem. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. Thick clouds cover the peoples. But upon you the Lord shines, and over you appears his glory. Nations shall walk by your light, and kings by your radiance. Raise your eyes and look about. They all gather and come to you. Your sons from afar, and your daughters in the arms of their nurses. Then you shall be radiant at what you see. Your heart shall throb and overflow, for the riches of the sea shall be emptied out before you. The wealth of nations shall be brought to you. Caravans of camels shall fill you. Dromedaries from Midian and Ephath, all from Sheba shall come, bearing gold and frankincense and proclaiming the praises of the Lord. So this is a prophecy, like we said, from from Isaiah, and it's just so cool how um, how Isaiah just nails it and gets, you know, this prophecy or, you know, prophecy is a prediction of the future that comes from God, right? How he gets it so perfectly accurate. It's so amazing. So he's talking about this light, and a lot of times we picture, you know, when we think about the light of Christ, we picture that as kind of just like a symbol. But it works out really nicely when we're talking about the Epiphany because, you know, we're thinking about the star that was over Jesus's stable um, at the time of his birth. So, you know, think about this reading and picture that light as a real light, like as the star, and then see how nicely um, this prophecy plays out that nations shall walk by your light and kings by your radiance. We're going to talk about the wise men uh, in a moment when we read the gospel. Um, and that all will gather and come to you. The three magi are from three different nations. And then it says that the riches of the sea shall be emptied out before you. The wealth of nations shall be brought to you. So that think about the three gifts that the wise men bring him again, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then uh, Isaiah actually names two of them, gold and frankincense. And the caravans of camels shall fill you. You know, think about where or what the, uh, you know, what we usually picture the Magi coming to Jesus riding, they're riding camels. So it's just really cool in this reading how Isaiah really perfectly um, prophesies about the Epiphany, which we will read about when we get to the Gospel.
now we're going to read the second reading, which is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 2 to 3a, and verses 5 to 6. Brothers and sisters, you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for your benefit, namely, that the mystery was made known to me by revelation. It was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and co-partners in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. So what Paul's talking about here is that, um, you know, the Holy Spirit has has made the revelation of Christ known to him. Remember that Paul was not um, an, an original, you know, one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. And I think a lot of people think that he is, or we kind of get that misunderstanding because we call him an apostle. But it's really important to remember he was not part of the original 12. It's very unlikely that he ever actually met Jesus before he died and resurrected because Paul's conversion uh, happens uh, after way after the um, Jesus' resurrection and Pentecost. Um, but let's focus on what he's saying in this, this second half. Um, the revelation that's really important to Paul is that the Gentiles, okay, so that word means a non-Jew, someone that's originally not Jewish, are co-heirs, meaning, you know, what does that word heir mean? It's that, you know, when a father leaves something um, behind, you know, his wealth, his, his belongings, whoever he leaves that to is an heir, right? And so Paul's saying that the Gentiles are co-heirs of Christ Jesus. And that's really important, not even just like they're an heir, like, you know, the Jews get 70% and the Gentiles get 30% or something like that. No, no, no. They are co-heirs and equal, right? Equal members of the body of Christ. I've touched on this before, but um, Paul is called the apostle to the Gentiles because of his readings and his writings like this, that he sticks up for the Gentiles and, and says that they should be able to be Christians without having to follow um, specific Jewish laws and customs. Um, and eventually he kind of gets the rest of the church, um, church fathers on his side in this. Um, so why are we reading this today? It's because... Think about the, again, the Magi that we're going to talk about in a moment. They're all from different lands, and none none of the three of them are Jewish. Um, that would have been very, very unlikely based on where, um, where we know that they are from. So why is this included? Because, you know, the church wants to, again, show us that these Magi, even though they're, they're not Jewish, they had something beautiful that they contributed to this to this story, to this narrative about Jesus's, about Jesus's birth and that they're so beloved. And I mean, we celebrate them every year in the church calendar. How rare is that, that, um, someone gets celebrated in this way in the, in the church calendar. It doesn't really happen even for Catholic saints, you know, to get a day like this, um, every single year. And so just think about how important these non-Jewish men are to the story of, of Jesus's birth. It's really amazing that, you know, these Gentiles, these non-Jews, um, have this place in the church calendar every year. That's something really special.
And now we're going to read the gospel for the week, which is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler, who is shepherd to my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word, that I too may go and pay him homage. After their audience with the king they set out, and behold the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them, until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. So let's get a little bit of background about these wise men. Uh, the wise men are magi, and that means that they are astronomers. That is their uh, occupation. So that means they study stars. Um, some of what we know about the magi is just kind of legend. Um, but legend tells us that the names of these men were Melchior, Balthazar, and Gaspar. And they're from the nations of Babylonia, which would be um, modern-day Iraq area, Persia which would be modern-day Iran uh, area, and India. And so I, I really love that, that they're from three totally different places because I really love nativity scenes where the three wise men do not all look the same. Um, these are three guys from three different nations, so they would have been, you know, really different uh, in their race, in their language and nationality, um, in their traditions, and yet they come together for this special event, which is to um, see this star. So what's the big deal about the star? Um, it's common, it's like a common ancient belief and, and thought that a new star appeared in the sky at the time of a new uh, ruler's birth. So at the birth of a new king, um, you know, there's, there's this thought that a new star would appear in the sky. So they see the star, and it's, it corresponds with a prophecy from the Old Testament. Um, there's this prophet Belaim in the Old Testament who prophesied that a star shall advance from Jacob, which is from Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. Um, and so, you know, these guys are astronomers. They see this new star arising, and so they go and, and follow it. Um, and so, uh, 
yeah, so they so they set out on their journey. They want to see this unique star. Um, it's not that they really care so much about a Jewish prophecy being fulfilled, because remember, they're probably not Jewish. But it's still a big deal that this new star is is coming up. Um, and so they follow the star. And they, they also know this ancient belief that a new star rises at the time of the king. So that's why they show up in Jerusalem, right? That's the holy city. And they say, okay, where's this new king? We saw the star. So they go to King Herod and say, where's the new king? And you can imagine, you know, how troubled and upset King Herod must have been to hear that a new king has been born. So he gets together all his chiefs, chiefs priests, and scribes, right? Um, you know, the people that are, are good at knowing about Jewish scripture. And he says, what the heck? Who's this king? And then they say, well, there's this prophecy. Um, and this prophecy is from the book of Micah, chapter 5, that says, um, you Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Bethlehem is this tiny, tiny city um, that kind of would get overlooked if not for this big event. So it says, since from you shall come a ruler who is a shepherd, my people Israel. So from the land of Bethlehem uh, will come the ruler that will be not not the ruler with an iron fist, but a shepherd to Israel. That's what this prophecy says. And so Herod is probably not pleased at all. So he calls the Magi in and he says, you know, how long has this star been arising? Um, which is probably why, you know, think about what happens after this. When Herod sets out to kill all the infants, he kills all the infants that um, are two years old and, and younger. Because, you know, this the star had probably been on the rise for a while. It didn't just show up one night because they had time to follow it. So he says, yes, go to Bethlehem and search for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him homage. Now, obviously, that's not what he was going to do. He was going to go kill that baby, um, which is why at the end of the reading, um, they've been warned in a dream, probably by an angel, to not return to Herod because uh, Herod is going to kill this baby. So they set out and they follow the star, um, and it stopped over the place where the child was. They were. It says they were overjoyed at seeing the star. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. This is a huge deal because, again, remember, these guys are not Jewish. Um, this shouldn't really mean anything to yet to them. And yet, what must they have seen when they entered that you know, that stable and saw Jesus in the manger and Mary and to see this star that they've thought about nothing else for the past however many years or months, to see it stop over the home of not a king but just a baby. Um, that must have moved them to, to, you know, prostrate themselves before Jesus. And so they brought him treasures, and these are really important. They offer him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Traditionally, these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, are associated with Jesus's priest, prophet, and kingship. Um, each of these gifts represents something else. So the gold obviously represents Jesus as king. You know, gold is a gift fit for a king. The most precious gift, you know, the most um, uh, meaningful and uh, valuable gift monetarily that you can receive. And then we have the gift of frankincense. It, frankincense is incense. Um, obviously, uh, so it's, it's something and think about when we use incense, we use incense at funerals and then myrrh, 
Myrrh is kind of like an oil um, that was used to embalm a, a dead body, you know, to preserve it, to make it smell good. Think about what Mary Magdalene sets out to do when Jesus dies. She was going to anoint his body. Um, and so myrrh is commonly used to anoint a dead body. So these gifts that Jesus receives are really interesting because they're actually a foreshadowing of his eventual death. You know, the frankincense and the myrrh are all gifts that, that are used when someone dies. And so at this moment, you know, the moment he's, he's born, uh, he's already, we're already getting this foreshadowing of, the, of what's going to happen to him, that he's going to die. And I wonder what Mary would have thought of these gifts because any Jewish person would have recognized frankincense and myrrh as gifts to be used when someone dies. Um, and so I just, it's, there's so much that I would like to know, uh, you know, what must her and Joseph have thought when, when they see these gifts. And also, I want to know what this dream was like, having been warmed in a dream not to return to Herod. Oh, I just so wish we had more detail about that dream. Did they all have matching identical dreams? Did just one of them have a dream? What happened in the dream? Did the angel Gabriel come to them in the dream or was it something else? What did they have a you know a foreshadowing foreshadowing or a prophecy of of what Herod was going to do to all the babies? I don't know. I so wish we had more details about about this dream, but we don't, and that's okay. So that is the story of the Epiphany, the feast of the Epiphany of the Lord in this Christmas season. So thanks so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And it would be awesome if you could give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Those ratings help us get this message of the gospel out to as many people as possible. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Shower of Roses and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash A Shower of Roses podcast. You can also check out a showerofrosespodcast.com for more information about the show or to send us an email or feedback. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. God bless you and have a great week.